Welcome to Disrupting Japan. Straight talk from Japan's most successful entrepreneurs. I'm Tim Romero, and thanks for joining me. You know, anyone who has done business in Japan has had to learn the intricacies of Japanese business card culture and the protocol involved in exchanging them. Well, Chika Terada has built Sansan, one of Japan's most successful startups. Around business cards, the name Sansan started as a play on words,、uh, kind of like the band Mister Mister, but the company itself has grown into a powerhouse of B two B CRM and corporate relationship management in Japan, where LinkedIn has failed. Now, Chika and I talk a lot about the challenges involved in scaling a company up so quickly. And what he's learned by expanding into international markets, some with business card cultures very similar to Japan, and some with very different protocols. And we talk about why we might finally be seeing a shift in the unhealthy fixation that so many Japanese investors and founders have on the IPO. And you know. Despite the fact that Sansan has built its entire business on business cards and the protocol surrounding them, Chika explains why he thinks that they may eventually go away, and what will replace them. But you know, Chika tells that story much better than I can. So let's get right to the interview. So we're sitting here with Chick Tarada, the CEO and founder of Sansan, who is really changing how Japan looks at business cards. So, thanks for sitting down with me. Thank you. Thank you very much for giving me this opportunity to talk to you again. Again, yes, it's great to have you back on the show because you were actually the very first guest I had on this show over three and a half years ago. I'm very pleased to hear that. I mean. You know, by looking your success after the first interview, that's remarkable. And and likewise, you as well. Sansan has been just growing at a fantastic rate since that interview, and it's it's one of the real startup success stories in Japan. People from overseas often see Sansan as kind of like a a business card scanning app,、mm-hmm. and I know it's a lot more than that. It's more like a networking tool,、right. but. Maybe you can just start out by explaining what Sansan is and what Aid is. Right. You know, it is true that our company is all about business cards, but this means our company is all about the business encounters. People meet people in business every day, and in Japan and in other Asian countries,、uh, people exchange business cards. This is a kind of culture. So we provide two services. Uh, one is、uh, same name as a, a company Sansan for companies, and the other service is called Aid, which is for business、uh, professionals. So Sansan is more like CRM solution based on business cards. The idea is that、uh, assuming the business cards as the、uh, representative of、uh, business encounters, if you can manage business cards、uh, successfully as a company. It's going to be your CRM database because you can search that database、uh, with the name of the company you'd like to access. Then you may or may not find a path to that company that your colleagues have. So that's the whole idea, and that data itself can be utilized or exported to 
other system like Salesforce.com. Well, and, and you also sort of work out the whole the corporate org chart and the hierarchy based on these cards, right? Because business cards have the information of uh, title and organizations, so we can uh, structure organizations by uh, capturing business cards. And every April, when Japanese companies reorganize, uh, Sansan kind of keeps track of that reorganization, sure. right? Well, I think it's interesting. You guys have really filled a niche that LinkedIn wanted to fill in Japan, but wasn't able to. Well, it's about our B2C service. I mean, eight is more suitable for that aspect. I mean, you use it for free to build your network. So you, you scan a business cards and you connect with others. And uh, before uh, scanning the cards of others, you're required to register your own business card. As you scan the business cards, you may connect to the people or business cards you scan if they are on the network. I really like the way you had of putting it that the business card represents an encounter yep. rather than an individual. Mm-hmm. Do you think this is at the heart of why uh, Sansan has been so successful in getting in this niche and that LinkedIn has not been? This focus on encounters rather than broadcasting information about yourself. Well, while it is, uh, is well adopted in Japanese magazines, because first of all, people use business cards and uh, they have some trouble on managing or keeping track of business cards after they receive. You know, of course, we'd like to replace business cards in the end because we don't believe the usefulness of paper business cards at all. You know, this is uh, culture right now, and it can be altered. Yeah, I, no, I, I think that's, it is interesting. Maybe I've just been in Japan so long. Mm-hmm. Japan definitely has that business card culture where that card does represent the encounter. Yeah. The U.S. and China don't have that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I find it to be a very easy workflow. Mm-hmm. So if I've gone to an event... I can go back home and look over 25 business cards and remember, oh, I talked to this guy about this and I talked to her about this and I I promised to follow up. But without those business cards, I can't remember everyone I talked to and who I have to follow up with. So there is still a merit of paper business card because it's portable and everyone has one. But still, we'd like to provide a way uh, in which you can do the same thing online, uh, right. digitally. So recently we released a new feature in which uh, uh, you can scan a business card on the spot and you can send your digital business cards to his or her email. Mm. So the, the image is included. So it's almost similar to the paper business cards. You know, we're trying anyway. Step by step moving yeah. towards digitalization. But we'd like to keep or sustain a taste of business cards and the benefit of business cards, like you said. So we're in a transition period, I think. Okay. Well, one of the things that was unique about Sansan when you were first starting off was that all of the business cards your customers would scan in, you would have human staff oh, right, yeah. double-check to make sure it's right. Point, yeah. are, are you still doing that? Yes. But uh, the automation rate is uh, getting high. From the beginning, we used technologies and also we used uh, human power. 
you know, it's a combination. OCL technologies cannot be perfect. The accuracy rate would be like uh, 80 to 90 percent. But the remaining 10 to 20 percent is critical. Because when you talk about the information, if you get an email address lacking one letter, it's useless, right? Right, right. So to fill that gap, uh, we've been using crowdsourcing. So but the, as we gather the accurate data, we can automate the process. So we combine technologies with human power. In the beginning, maybe it's only 10%, it was only 10% automated, but now the rate is like 60%, 70%. So remaining 30% is done by human. Okay. That's still quite a lot of human labor That's right. going into this. Do you think AI will ever be at the point where you can just trust AI to do this? Well, partially, we trust AI. For example, our uh, engine to distinguish language of business cars are fully AI-based. We trust it. So we just sort the business cars into English, Chinese, Japanese, or other language using that AI. In that part, there is no human involved. We used to have human in that part as well. So, you know, step by step, we automate by using AI. And once AI passes the threshold that we can replace human, we apply that to that point. That makes sense. Actually, as you've scaled up, right now you have around 400 people? Yep. So over the past four or five years, you guys have have moved from being like, a cool, small startup to sort of a, a cool, large startup. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What did you have to change about your company or your culture to, to make that happen? Well, there have been challenges to scale, of course, but uh, always you have challenge, right? Sure. So uh, to be honest, I don't have any specific case or a transition period that I would say that it was difficult or... I don't have such story, to be honest. Well, okay, from my own experience, I've always noticed that when I was running startups and the team was really small, Mm -hmm. like five or six people, Mm -hmm. that's almost like a magical time. Mm -hmm. It's like you're playing in a band or on a sports team and everyone kind of knows what everyone else is thinking. And then there's this stage around 15, 20 people where you can't communicate that way anymore mm-hmm. and you have to start writing things down. And then there, there's, you know, I, I've never grown a startup to more than 100 people, mm-hmm. but it would seem that at a certain point, like at 100 or maybe it's 200 people, you don't know who everyone is anymore. And, and you've got to have layers of people between you and the, the other staff. Right. And you have to motivate staff differently when they can't just come up and talk to the the CEO? Hmm. To be honest, I, I didn't do anything special. Yeah, there were things, I mean, like uh, I had lunch, one-on-one lunch with all the uh, new employees. As we hire more people, it's not possible now. So I stopped, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I used to have one-on-one lunch. I used to have group dinner meeting kind of thing. But, you know, it's pretty common. And, uh, but that's, I mean, that's not that important, I mean. Okay. Well, actually, one of the things I noticed that you did, I noticed the yearbooks that you published mm-hmm. for all the staff. And I thought that was a, a great idea. 
Yeah, yeah. You know, there are such small, effective ideas. I mean, we've been making yearbooks every year, or we have corporate meeting or corporate party, and I speak to all the employees uh, every week on Monday. And these are the things that may help us to maintain the you know, momentum or organization as one. But that's not, nothing special, you know. Okay. Many companies can do that. Okay. Well, I mean, many companies can, but most don't. I would say most, most 400 people companies don't have annual yearbooks that introduce all the new staff That's and right. show no. the parties. And they should do it. They should, oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> but they don't. I don't know why they don't, they, they don't do it. These are effective and are worth investing. So you just have a good, engaged, creative HR staff, it Maybe. sounds like. Well, one thing I may be able to say is that the uh, executives or managers tend to see the organization to solve the problem. But usually, organization follows a strategy or organization follows the uh, you know mission, right? So if they feel any trouble of managing organizations, they should look for a mission or a goals or a outside targets. Maybe that's the point where organization cannot go smooth. The organization itself can run like a machine, and you need people to correct it, mm-hmm. intervene well, if it goes wrong. For example, one, one thing uh, for the purpose of having solid mission shared by all the people we organized a you know, corporate-wide discussion every two years to reconsider the statement. Kind of reevaluate the yes, mission. Yes, yes, yes. We're in that process right now. Oh, so we okay. call it, uh, we, we actually, we call our mission statement and the value statement katachi. Katachi is Japanese words of, uh, how do you say, katachi? Form, Form shape. Shape or yeah. structure. Structure, right, kind of thing. So... We are doing that right now in 2018. We did that two years ago. We did that four years ago. And everyone can participate. Everyone can participate or everyone is required or supposed to participate. Almost everyone. All right. So how, how long does the whole process Maybe take? half a year. Okay. It's a big investment. That's a big group of people. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a big <laughs> investment. But the purpose of discussion is not the discussing. I think it keeps people engaged yeah, if that's it's right, done that's right. right. Yeah, that, you know, that's it, what I wanted to say. It, it keeps people, even if they can't come up and talk to you directly anymore, if it's done right, it feels like people still have an impact and they still have an input. Yeah. That kind of real discussion, I mean, for real purpose, is very important, I think, to scale a company. Yeah. I mean, instead of looking in the organization, you should look the mission as a company. What about in terms of attracting talent and, and finding new employees? Have you, does Sansan have an employee stock option program? Part of, but not like other companies. Uh, instead of uh, stock options, we have, uh, uh, so you, you can buy stocks. Oh, okay. So uh, instead of receiving stock options, you pay some money to buy stock. But you can buy a cheaper price than, you know. This is one interesting thing. I've noticed a big difference between most Japanese startups and most U.S. startups. So U.S. startups, stock options are always a really big part of the compensation. And in Japan, uh, some startups do it, but most of them don't. 
Well, it's changing these days. Many companies, I mean, I would say almost all the startups these days would have stock option program. I've been asked uh, questions from young entrepreneurs about uh, how to run company or how to run stock option or this, these things. Then we didn't do that, but you should do it. <laughs> I would encourage them to do it because that's a very good tool. If you had the chance to do it again, yeah. you'd start a stock option program. Sure, because otherwise we cannot be competitive uh, in labor market. But that's encouraging. So that's something you think is happening more and more with startups now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. Let's talk about customer acquisition. Okay. Because this is something that I know has changed a lot since the mm-hmm. early days. Mm-hmm. You know, the turning point for our Samsung business is when we started TV commercial. At the time, TV commercial for startups is not common or popular, but we, we, we did that. And uh, it was successful. And we continued TV commercial for five years. So it means it works, right? And I've noticed you guys are doing a lot of ads in the in, in taxis as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can't get into a taxi anywhere in Tokyo without yeah. seeing the, the Sansan series of ads right, coming right. up. For the last two to three years, Many taxis now have displays where we can show this commercial. A lot of startups who've received, you know, kind of that threshold of funding, it seems to be about 20 million, 30 million US dollars begin aggressively advertising Mm -hmm. on TV and taxis as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, In train as well. Yeah. Advertising and marketing should be one of the easiest industries to disrupt. And around the world it tends to be. But in Japan... It's very resistant to disruption. Uh-huh. So I'm wondering, as you guys have gotten bigger and bigger, uh-huh. are there small, agile marketing companies that you're working with, or do you end up working with the Densus and the Hakuhodos to, to reach scale? Uh-huh. Well, TV commercial is, you know, is, uh, is managed by Dentsu, yeah. Hakuhodo, those big guys. And virtually uh, you have to go through them. You know, it's still effective doing TV commercial. Okay. So it's still, marketing and advertising is still a, a market yet to be disrupted in Japan. Yeah. Of course, there is a big chunk of uh, digital marketing, of course. And we spend a lot of money on digital side as well. So it's a combination of uh, TV and digital advertisement. It's interesting how much money startups do have to spend okay. on TV advertising right, in right. general. And I'm curious... Is the importance of TV advertising that that broad reach you were talking about, or is it more of kind of a credibility? When when you see a company advertising on TV, you think like, "Wow, this is a really good company. They're 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 big. They're powerful. <laughs> they can afford to advertise." I mean, on both TV. are true. Yeah. As a matter of fact, these days I'd say money is becoming commodity. I mean, for uh, venture companies. I mean, that's good in a sense. They can go aggressive. Yeah, funding is way up. Yeah. So if you get a good good chunk of money, TB is something you can spend a lot of money on it. Then it may or may not work, but you still have some reach. You still have some credibility. And your employees will be encouraged by seeing their own TB commercial. So that works anyway. Yeah. And uh, it may not be effective, then they just stop. 
And so you can try once. That's kind. That's the TV word, I think. So, so your advice to other founders would be: if you have the money, try it. See if it works. Not really. No. But you know, many entrepreneurs or CEOs、uh, would like to do TV commercial, and I would say you should do it carefully. But everybody would do that in the end. I mean, because it seems it worth it's worth trying anyway. They try. They may fail. Yeah. That's it. TV is awfully expensive in Japan. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because, but that's why TV may be effective. You know, there are only several channels. It's it's like an exclusive club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's right. All right. We were talking before a little bit about how Japan has kind of a unique business card culture.、Mm-hmm. And last time we sat down to talk, you were just starting、uh, market entry into the United States、mm-hmm. and into the Singapore market.、Mm-hmm. And how did things work out in those two markets? Okay. Well, we got some customers in the U.S. and in Singapore. Now we focus more on Singapore and other Asian countries. I say we, we have to admit that we are still in the early phase of developing new market. And、uh, while Sansan is like that. Uh, we launched eight in India last November, so and、uh, we are trying to penetrate into Indian market with eight. One successful result is that we got a lot of uh, uh, accounts overseas as the extension of Japanese accounts. So Japanese global companies. Oh, so like foreign offices yes, of Mitsui yes, or yes. Mitsubishi, and they start using Sansan. In the global network, that's becoming a good business, and it's one of one way of、uh, going global. We also try to sell to other local companies, of course. So we combine those two activities together. It it's always been every startup event I go to. You know, people are always saying, kind of, you know, go global or、mm-hmm. go home,、mm-hmm. right? And. I'm just wondering if a company like Sansan, which is so, so premised, so based on the Japanese business card right, etiquette right. workflow, right? Why are the overseas markets so important to you?、Uh-huh. Well, first of all, we like to do that. I mean, that's our mission. If there is business card, we should have some opportunity because people should have certain level of problem. Or managing business cards, so it's easy. If they have business cards, we should go. And、mm-hmm. uh, in Asian countries,、uh, there are a lot of business cards going on.、Right. And in the U.S., in the in the West, especially, I don't see business cards these days. Well, although you know that said, what you what you mentioned before, that eventually you see business cards becoming digital or kind of going yep, away. Yep. Maybe that'll eventually will be the big chance in the U.S. because there needs to be something. You know, yeah, yeah. You know I can't remember everyone I talk to. It's、mm-hmm. it's there's a need for something there. Yeah, that's true. I mean, LinkedIn is super. I mean, in the U.S. I mean, but I see people may have travel. You know, remembering people they meet. Yeah, the 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 encounter. Yeah, yeah,、right? yeah. But I can also I can imagine that people again start using business cards in the U.S. Right? <laughs> so there may be some other way. So as we do business in Japan, where business cards are prevalent and still very popular, we should be able to find a way to bridge 
digital way, in analog way. And once we find that experience or you know that that way, that may be able to ex- expand it to non-business culture companies. All right. So it makes sense that you want to keep involved with all the the overseas markets. Yeah. In any yeah. event. Well. So far, I mean, you guys have raised about $93 million. Yeah, yeah. And your investors are both Japanese VCs and overseas VCs. Mm-hmm. Are the overseas VCs, or I guess the Japanese VCs as well, are they also pushing you to, to go global? Or are they more just sort of hands-off, <laughs> make it work, make us some money? Well, they respect our challenge anyway. Among them, there may be some VC that want us to focus on the Japanese market, but still they respect what we'd like to do. That's it. I mean, excellent. Do you have any plans to kind of grow horizontally? I mean, for example, moving into uh, sales automation tools or um, developing right, right. Sansan as a, an actual business social right, network right, right. or something like that. We recently released a new product called uh, Customer Intelligence. It's like uh, the extension product of Sansan. We call it CI. CI is a how do you say, data integration platform in the corporate system. We have been digitizing the business cards. The number of business cards we digitize is like uh, 500 million. We consolidate the data so that it represents people or company, not representing mere card. So that technology can be built into that CI. So is that going to be more of like um, a data cleansing service, or is that more of like a platform that could compete with like Salesforce? Uh, it works with Salesforce.com. If you have CI in your system, you can connect Salesforce.com with that CI, with CI, you, of course, connect Sansan with CI. You may connect uh, marketing automation to like Marketo to CI or your own proprietary system to CI. Then all the data is gathered in CI. Then it's consolidated. So just a mere email address in marketing automation system can be, can be passed to CI. Then that email address is consolidated with the business card information then the whole data is back to marketing automation too. That kind of master management platform. That makes sense. One thing that I've been very impressed with how you've been running Sansan is that so many Japanese startups have this pressure from their investors to kind of go public Mm -hmm. As quickly, as early, and as cheaply right, right. <laughs> as possible. And you've really been resisting that pressure. Yeah. You've been growing steadily and, and. As a private company? Yeah. As a private company. What's the logic behind it? Why have you decided to stay private and growing for so long? And why do so many Japanese founders have trouble doing that? Hmm. First of all, I would doubt. There are too much pressure from VCs uh, to make an IPO. I mean, some people say that they have pressure from VCs so that they make an IPO. I mean, they wanted to make an IPO. And uh, it may be true. There may be some pressure. But if uh, 
management wouldn't like to make an IPO, they can push it back anytime. Well, I, mean, I, I talk to a lot of founders and I'm not sure how hard the pressure is, but a lot of times the VCs will bring up the IPO plans at almost every meeting. Well, maybe the you know, way of raising money is the reason why they got a pressure. You know, what we say to our investors, IPO is one option all the time. The important point is, is to grow the company and uh, is to grow the valuation of the company for you. Then as it grows, what's wrong with it? You know, liquidation, if you need, may be made in other way. So it's, it's mainly you did a lot of setting of the expectations at the time of the investment? We always have had the plan of IPO. And uh, as we go forward, then uh, it's obviously the better way is that to raise money privately again to grow faster. Then we should go that way, right? So that's it. And uh, then and why you say we should make an IPO? That's a critical question to venture capital, right? Oh, well, it's easy. The VCs want to book that profit on their, their fund yeah, right away. Yeah, that's something we should respect. But if that's the case, you can think about uh, moving their stock to other new shareholders, right? Even in the private status. So you haven't felt any particular pressure from investors to IPO? It's just been a... They have been a pressure. Of course, they, some, com- some VCs need to liquidate at their timing and they would like us to make an IPO. But that's a discussion. That's a conversation. You can say no. Because what is better is made by us. That's it. Excellent. Do you think more founders are, are thinking the way you are? Do you think we're going to see Japanese companies staying private longer? I think so. Yeah, yeah that's the U.S. trend anyway, right? Well, I think it's healthier for the companies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think a lot of Japanese companies IPO when there's still so much growth left in them. And uh, there are more venture capital in the later stage funding these days. Without having those players, we cannot stay longer in private, right? But as we go to Series C, Series D, Series, we, we did Series D last year, we found more players in that stage, new players. So in that way, more venture uh, startups uh, uh, will, will stay longer, I think. All right. That will definitely be a good thing for the, yeah, the startup so. ecosystem yes. as a whole. Let me ask you some general Japan questions. Okay, okay. In our last interview, we, we talked a lot about how you left Mitsui and how a lot of people around you were kind of surprised that you were doing it. And I'm, I'm curious, over the last three and a half years, mm-hmm. do you think the attitudes have changed at big yeah. companies? It's changed a lot. As they need to adopt the sense of innovation, Many big companies now have corporate venture capitals, and uh, they respect ventures more these days. And uh, to join ventures is one of major career these days, right? Yeah. So it's changed already. In such a short time. Yeah, yeah. And the Japanese government is pushing very hard, right? So more and more staff from Mitsui are, are going out on their own? I think so. Yeah. Well, we, we had uh, just a couple of months ago, uh, Inada-san. Atama Plus, right? right. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's he a good guy. He's, he's very nice. Yeah. 
So recently, I got questions from、uh, ex Mitsui entrepreneurs. So a lot. It does Mitsui have? Is there like a Mitsui alumni yeah, yeah, yeah. group that that of founders working together? And we created、uh, ex Mitsui alumni. You know. Not officially because、uh, it's not supported yet by、uh, Mitsui itself, but just as a personal network. Yeah, but there are like two hundred people,、uh, not only by、uh, entrepreneurs, but all the Mitsui people quit Mitsui before their retirement age. You know, I think that is so important, and and in San Francisco, I mean, everyone knows about like the PayPal mafia yeah, and yeah. stuff. But I, I think if you look back over the last twenty years in Japan.、Mm-hmm. Ex Oracle, like Oracle, had a very powerful and unofficial alumni association yeah, yeah, yeah. that went on to either fund or found right, a lot、right. of companies. IBM also. In Japan, recruit alumni is very famous. That's right, recruit. Yeah, it's a it's a you know talent pool to start a new company. I think that might actually be one of the main mechanisms that will change large enterprises. Because it's very hard for them to reach out to startups,、mm-hmm. but having this sort of unofficial alumni as a bridge. Yeah, that's true. You know, we got approached from Mitsui last year. I said it's not official, but it's almost official because they we had an official conversation with Mitsui executives to cooperate. It's very remarkable that uh, Mitsui, uh, like big enterprises, work with their alumni. Which may be, you know, betrayal、uh, to the older sense. Well, yeah, it's it's certainly a new way of thinking in Japan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because before, when you left, well, you just didn't. I mean. <laughs> so yeah, that's good. Yeah. And I was、uh, invited to Mitsui to make some speech several times, and、uh, maybe two to three times. So yeah, you know, it's changing. That's really encouraging. Although I've got to say, maybe Mitsui because they're、um, they're a trading house.、Right. I mean, they they have that deal making DNA in them.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, that may be one of the reasons why Mitsui is now more positive about you know the alumni network and the ex Mitsui people that companies by themselves. But you know, generally, big enterprises are changing in the way of Mitsui, like or in the way of, for example. Sharp or Toshiba, those、uh, failing companies would send people to other sectors, right? So that's a good power to flourish a new companies or new businesses. I mean, that's really encouraging to hear that、yep. there's been so much of a change in in such a very short time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, listen, Chika. Before we wrap up,、mm-hmm. I'm going to ask you what I call my magic wand question.、Mm-hmm. And I actually asked you this three and a half years ago,、okay. and I'm not going to let you give the same answer again. Right. Okay. <laughs> and that is, if I gave you a magic wand, and I told you that you could change one thing about Japan, anything at all, the education system, the way people think about risk, the legal system, anything at all, to make things better for startups in Japan, what would you change? Education, I'd say. Education. Yeah. How, how would you change it? Well, innovation can be taught, and、uh, that mindset should have been taught. 
that, that's something I agree with. I agree that innovation can be taught, but that is not, that's not the general impression among most Japanese. So how would you get people to, how would you teach them that? Design thinking and programming, these two skills, I would say, should be taught with the mind of、uh, making innovation. If you have these two skills when you are still young, you can try anything you know, by yourself. And that may be the source of innovation. How young do you think we should be teaching kids this? Elementary school? Elementary school? Sure. I think that'd be great. I think it'd be easier. I think it's easier to teach a seven year old design yeah, thinking yeah. than it is a, a 57 year old. That's right. That's right. That's already a best practice, right?、Yeah. Design thinking is. And the programming is.、Uh, you, can, you can teach programming anyway, right? So these two should be taught. Do you think the trend is in that direction? Are, I think so. I、yeah. think so. Are you seeing programs like that in schools? Yeah, but Japanese government is pushing programming education in elementary school. I think it's starting in two to three years, officially, I think. I, I, I don't remember.、Oh, that's great. I didn't know that. Design thinking is not yet coming, but it's a matter of time, I think. But I, I could see design thinking being a huge hit in elementary school. It's,、mm. it's a game, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, I see many friends or many entrepreneurs or many CEOs really interested in running or、uh, supporting new schools or new education. So, that initiative may help change in a lot of ways from the private sector. Yeah, I think so. Well, I hope we'll be seeing that change happen as fast as、yeah. we've seen the corporate attitudes change. Yeah. I, I really hope so.、Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, listen, thanks again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. And we're back. I really like Chika's idea of business cards as representing an encounter rather than just the data about a particular person. It's hard to explain why this seems like such an important difference. But I think it goes a long way to explaining why business cards are treated with such respect and deference in Japan. Sansan's fundraising path is interesting and kind of important, really. One of the most common frustrations, or at least observations, from foreign startup investors in Japan is that Japanese startups tend to go public way too early. There are a lot of reasons behind that, and most of them are bad reasons, quite frankly. But the fact that these days there's more growth funding available at later stages is a great thing. It will let Japanese startups stay private longer and make them more internationally competitive. But you know what I found to be the most encouraging sign for overall innovation in Japan? How quickly Mitsui has turned around and embraced startup culture. And how they're actively working to maintain relationships with founders who have left the company. And create a founder's community. Japan Inc. hasn't really discovered a model for innovation that is working for them yet, but Mitsui's approach is a promising one. It's embracing change at the edges rather than trying to change the core, at least at first. And it might prove to be a blueprint for other large enterprises to follow. Silicon Valley has been the center of an unbelievable amount of innovation and wealth creation. But that model doesn't work for everyone. In fact, it's proven all but impossible to copy. And really, 
we shouldn't be too surprised by that. Every country, every culture has their own strengths and weaknesses, and everyone needs to play to their strengths. A few decades ago, Japan was probably the most innovative country in the world. And keep watching, because it just might be again. If you've got thoughts on business cards or fundraising, Chica and I would love to hear from you. So come by disruptingjapan.com slash show122 and tell us about it. And when you come by the site, you'll see all the links and notes that Chica and I talked about and much, much more in the resources section of the post. And hey, I know you've been meaning to do this for a while now, but when you get the chance, please leave us an honest review on iTunes. It's really the best way you can support the show and help us get the word out. But most of all, thanks for listening. And thank you for letting people interested in Japanese startups know about the show. I'm Tim Romero, and thanks for listening to Disrupting Japan.